and it was I, 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 and God's like, girl, you need to stop this. This isn't about this isn't about you. You just share your story, and whoever's gonna, whoever needs to listen, will listen. Whoever I have assigned to do that. So, yeah. So it, it there's a lot, a lot of work to be done for the kingdom. A lot of things need to to happen and transpire, and we're in a good position to do that. I think. Hi, I'm Shelby Hosfield, creative educator for baby Christian women, mama, wifey, and host of this show, Finding Faith Above. I spent years turning my back on him after leaving religion, but he never gives up on us. Dear beautiful girl, here we are finding truth we never had and an understanding of his grace over works. This podcast is for you if you are new to the Christian faith and searching for a true relationship with Jesus. You are listening to Finding Faith Above. Okay, so today we are talking with Christina Amy of the Chatworthy Podcast. Uh, On the Chatworthy Podcast, they have real and raw conversations about God, His redemption plan, and purpose for our lives. It is such a good podcast for just uh, really great conversations having to do with God and what a great mission that she has. Now, I want to say this. Christina is an amazing woman and she has a big story. It really is just such a big story of coming from a harder place, moving through difficult times and walking through the fire and coming out with a mission and a purpose for God on the other side. That being said, I do want to preface this uh, podcast today with a little bit of a warning for anybody who has some sensitivities. She does talk about thoughts of suicide and dealing with the emotional effects of abortion. So if that is not something that is for you, I understand. Just wanted to give you a little warning before we jump into it. Her story is an amazing story of redemption and what she has done for the kingdom of God and what she has able to do uh, because of some of the struggles that she went through is just, I mean, it's just such a testament to um, the good Lord and his grace. So let's jump in. All right, I am so excited to talk with you today, Christina. Welcome to the Fighting Faith Above podcast. Thank you so much, Shelby. Uh, so this is not our first chat. We actually yeah. talked before on your podcast, which I just love. Um, and it was so much fun. We had such a great time. But before we get started, I wanted to just ask you a little bit about where you're at right now. Sure. And I know that you know you're married to a pastor, even, right? Yes, I am. It's it's joyful, let me tell you. There's nothing that ever goes poorly or badly here. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. So I just wanted to ask you a little bit about kind of where you're at right now and, and about yourself and if you want to just share a bit. Sure. So uh, we live in the desert of Arizona, but it's mon- it's been monsoon season and I swear it feels like we're living in Florida right now. There's so much humidity. Um, and we, my husband is a marriage and community pastor of a church of about 1700 and it's been um, just amazing to see how God has worked in and through this past year of the pandemic and how people um, are just really open to sharing their stories and uh, feeling this urgency to share Jesus and um and really understanding what the gospel is. And so uh, myself, 
my husband, our two kids, we have two here that are 14 and 11. Um, we really just try to be open to sharing the gospel at all times. And sometimes that's with words, sometimes that's with building community, sometimes that's with um, uh, serving, whatever that looks like. And so we just try to make ourselves available. I really serve alongside him. I have um, a part-time job working in strategic digital marketing, but I also have my um, my love project, which is the Chatworthy um, podcast. And, and really it's just, been on my heart to develop a place where women can share their stories, their testimonies, um, just how God has been working in and through their lives, and just excited for what the Lord is putting on on my heart for that, and how to just walk in in, in aligned with the Holy Spirit. Um, and I think that's about it. Uh, you know, we've we've lived here in Arizona for four and a half years just transplanted from Illinois, which is really a different uh, weather, <laughs> weather state. Um, so we just really love, love being here, love being part of this community and just try to share as much as possible with where we've been and how God's working. I love that. And I feel like God totally just brought us together because your whole mission with your podcast and sharing stories is so similar to what I'm doing with trying to help women and what I have found through talking with all different women who have come from all different paths. Their uh, journey to finding Jesus really is just strengthened so much by listening to other women's stories and especially just knowing how they found Jesus and what brought them to Christ. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. And I thank you so much for being here and being open to talking about your journey that you have had with finding Jesus. So thank you. Yes, my pleasure. So how did you grow up? Let's just start there. Did you grow up knowing Jesus? Is that, was that no, your path? I, I grew up um, in my, my family. I grew up in a Mexican family and our culture was very much, um, we came from, um, the Mexican Catholic culture, but the the Catholicism that I grew up with was not westernized in the sense of um, the United States type. It was a lot of interweaving with, um, I now realize there was a lot of interweaving with kind of some darkness and some um, what you would call Santeria, you know, what, what we know Santeria, which is kind of some type of witchcraft. And um, there, there was, it was very idolistic. So literally there was idols and shrines all over the place in my home. And uh, so it, I was never taught to pray to Jesus. It was always the saints. It was always, um, it was always having the, the, you know, praying to Mary, praying to the saints, praying to saints that aren't even disciples. And so it was, it was just a, an, an odd type of, of background, but I was raised to fear God. I was raised that God would punish me if I did bad. And, um, so I didn't really have a really, a healthy relationship with the Lord. And I ended up, um, going to Catholic school for the eighth grade and then high school, um, all girl school and I ended up pregnant at 17. <laughs> so, so, um, so much for that. And it was an interesting time in my life where my family felt because 
the culture, the Mexican culture was so private. And so um, there was just so much shame. There's shame written there. They hid me from my pregnancy. They didn't want me to be involved in family events because, you know, pregnancy is contagious, obviously. So if I'm pregnant, so will my, my cousins will also get pregnant. <laughs> and um, so I was hidden and I was involved with the father of my child at the time and we were choosing we were choosing to place him for adoption and at about um six months i was bleeding uh i started bleeding and i was rushed to the hospital and it turned out that i had placenta previa and what that did was um that you know the the doctors see a young girl who has you know who's pregnant they they don't ask me do you want to know the sex of the baby do you want to know anything they just made the assumption and the doctor he didn't know our our plan for placing for adoption or anything like that so he the doctor is like well your son is fine you have placenta and and i'm looking at the ultrasound i'm like my son and it was the first time that i realized like this is this is my son and so from that moment forward i had decided that um I was going to parent him. And then my boyfriend at the time didn't want the same thing as I did, so he broke up with me. And it was the loneliest three months of my life. I just was, I didn't really have my family. My family tried in the best that they could to um, care for me and love me in the way that, that that they they could but they weren't present they weren't involved um, my boyfriend obviously didn't want to have anything to do with me um, so i went into labor and again growing up it, it's very there was so much admonishment and there was so much shame and there was so much you are you are in trouble if you know God's going to punish you. Everybody's going to punish you. So I'm sitting there going into labor at, at the hospital. My older sister, I'll never forget this. She, my mom was supposed to be my coach, but my, she was in the corner crying. She could not put, pull herself together. So my older sister was in the room with me and she was, um, you know, I'm in pain. They're not giving me an epidural. They gave me Demerol, which I'm still curious as to why they didn't even ask me what I wanted. And, you know, I'm 17, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not handling this the best. And my sister's going, this is what you get. This is what you get. So, and her best friend, who was more of a sister to me, was saying, Anna, you need to stop. Like, stop doing this. And, um, and then Josh was born, and out comes this, you know, redheaded, just little bundle of preciousness. And... Just his hair was sticking straight up. He had so much hair and he was like light and his eyes were light and it was just the coolest thing to experience. Well, the next uh, the next morning at the hospital, my ex or my boyfriend, my ex-boyfriend at the time got wind that I went into labor, showed up and had decided, he's like, I wanna make this work. And of course, I'm like, okay, my family, I'm gonna be put together with my, you know. So I ended up leaving the hospital with him and we quickly put together um, a nursery in his apartment. He had his own apartment at 18 and um, he was very privileged. And so 
we ended up getting married at as soon as I turned 18. And um, then we were together for, I would say, a few months into marriage. I started to see the signs that there was something not right with him. And um, the, the violence started to come out verbally and emotionally and then he didn't want to be with us, be with us anymore and he broke up broke up with us my son and I even though we were married and decided to start dating other girls and um so I'm left you know lonely running back to my parents who were angry with me for all the reasons but they loved their grandson so that was that was great and um so this is how our relationship went for several years. He would, I w it was a cycle. I would run back, uh, we would be okay. He would verbally abuse me. Sometimes it got physical. Um, I don't wanna be with you anymore. And there go Josh and I back to my parents. So this, this, this transpired probably for, not consistently, but off and on for the next, five years, five, six years. Um, then my daughter was born and um, she, something happened. I didn't know the Lord. I didn't, there was nothing, you know, I, I left the Catholicism. I was kind of just living, you know, as, as people do. And um, something was happening though, as she was getting older, like, you know, two, three, four, and her dad was reacting the way he was acting towards me. I didn't want her to see that. Like there was something, it was weird. It was like my son, I felt like I could protect him, but my daughter, I didn't, cause she was a female. I didn't know, I didn't want her in that situation. So when she was about seven, um, we left and for good. And I ended up getting my own place and ended up, um, you know, but at this point, I was feeling so rejected and dejected because I didn't know where my life was going. I was 28 years old and I just had no idea, you know, the past 10 years had been with this man who I tried so desperately to make it work. And so when we left, I was lost. I didn't know what to do. I felt, you know, I, I, tr I had a decent job. I tried to make it work, but it wasn't paying the bills. He had hid all of our money, all of our assets, because we were, we had a cash business and all gone. I didn't have access to any of it. Um, so literally scraping by. And so um, then I just started pouring myself into drinking on the weekends, not every day, but on the weekends partying with men, finding my worth in men. Um, as soon as the weekends would come, my kids would go off to grandma's or friends because I wanted to just numb myself. And uh, one fateful night, my ex-husband and I had gotten together. Uh, he, he came to drop something off for my daughter. She was, they were already, the kids were asleep. And we ended up talking and drinking wine and I ended up sleeping with him. And so what, ha what transpired after that was, we, it, was, it was a moment of weakness. We knew we weren't gonna get back together. It just was, 
it, it was familiar. And so then several weeks later, I realized my body wasn't right. And um, I had chosen to, or I took a pregnancy test, realized I was pregnant and I chose to terminate the pregnancy. And um, at this point, I had already been spiraling downward, you know, just losing my identity completely and thinking I had it all together. And then this happens. And of course, I'm going to exercise my right to choose because that's what we're told. Like, you can you can do this. And so um, that day I went to the clinic and I'm a super compassionate person. Like there, there is not a dog, a human, uh, anything that, that could come in my path that I wouldn't try to care for. It's just who I am. And so that day, I'll never forget, there was a, there was a girl. I don't know if you're familiar with what the clinics look like. They're very sterile. They're not very warm and inviting. At least this one wasn't. And um, we were all ushered into a room in our paper sacks or paper, <laughs> paper uh, dresses or cloth dresses. And there was a young girl who was sitting there and she couldn't have been older than 17, 17, 18, and she was sobbing. And I just looked at her and I didn't want to have anything to do with her. I just like it, it, think that part crushes me that I wasn't a compassionate person for her. Like it, it crushes me because she was scared and she was terrified. And I just turned my back because I didn't want to look at her. I didn't want to deal with the situation. I didn't want to deal with the reality. So the next, you know, the next thing I know, I'm waking up in a room of cots with all these women who are sitting there moaning in pain. It just was so unnatural. And they had given me uh, graham crackers and juice to wake me up and pull me out of it. And that was the last time I ate graham crackers for years to come. I couldn't bring myself to eat them. So that night, my friends are like, do you want us to come over? And said no I wanted to be by myself and it was snowing and I went to go see a movie called open water about about sharks that are that that eat this couple it was horrible and I don't know why I went to see it but it was so fitting I've never seen a movie by myself but I just wanted to numb it everything that happened and um they told me you're going to be in pain they said here's you know, here's medication, take Tylenol, take ibuprofen, you're going to bleed, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be in pain. But they didn't tell me what I was going to be feeling emotionally and mentally. They didn't tell me any of that. So for the next several weeks, um, I, I it the stuffing was intense. It was just as if I was stuffing a, a um, pillow, just kept stuffing it with stuff, stuffing, and that was my body just ready to explode. And I would look at the train tracks that were by my little apartment, and I would just wonder what it would be like if I would just sit on them. If I took enough Tylenol PM that I had gotten from the surgery, if I would be able to sit, sit on those train tracks, and would it hurt? Who would find me? Would it be a weekend that my kids wouldn't be with me? How could I do this? And like, if I drank liquid plumber like I mean all these things were going in my my mind of how I could just stop the pain from what I had done so ultimately 
I had, um, uh, praise God, you know, looking back, you can see how God was working in your life when you didn't even know he was working in your life. And I know you could relate to that from your story, mm -hmm. but, um, praise God that I never took any of that, those actions. I never ever took any of that action, but, um, what, what ended up happening is that I, I was starting to search for something. I was beginning to search for a relationship with a higher power. And I, I didn't know what that looked like. So at the time there was, the cool thing was Kabbalah because everybody was wearing the red bracelets. I was like, well, I can get on board with that. And um, I studied it. I studied paganism. I studied Wicca. And I actually went to our local occult bookstore and bought all the things. I bought a, a cauldron and candles and a spell book. And I just wanted love and I just wanted money. So I ended up uh, purchasing these things. And this was this was what, what happened um, with that situation. I, I did a spell after my daughter went to bed, I, or my kids went to bed, I did a spell in my room to draw love and money to myself, like pink lights. I don't even remember. There was pink and white. I had to involve pink and white. And in paganism or Wicca, there's a male deity and a female deity, and you could pick whatever you want, Greek mythology, whatever you want. And um, based on what the universe is telling you. And so um, I forget, I was trying to think back who I chose, I guess it's not important, but I remember reading the incantation from this book to bring manifest love and money because I needed it. And um, that night, you know, I have the candles, I'm kneeling on the floor, I have a little box with all my stuff on it. And, and I do this spell. And I'm, you know, re reciting this thing, it's incantation, I don't want to say a prayer, but it's an incantation, and I'm reciting it. Something happened in that room. And it wasn't good. There was a demonic presence that was that showed up and um, was very, very, um, I could feel it. And I quickly closed the book. I hadn't, I was, I was freaked out about Ouija boards. And here I am, you know, opening myself up to this. And I freaked myself out and I couldn't sleep. And I was so scared because I was like, something, something showed up. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't love. It wasn't light. It felt oppressive and it felt, um, it felt in a way just like I felt in, I was afraid. There's no other word I can say, except I was fearful of what was there. So from that moment, moment forward, I packed everything up in a box and I shoved it in the back of my closet because I wanted nothing to do with that. And so um, then I was done with religion. I was, air quotes, religion, and it had nothing to do with it. Continued on my merry way of just, you know, 
living life on the weekends with men and and figuring out like who am I going to have pay for my drinks today you know so um, that was my my method that was what made me happy so happy air quotes so then um, one night I had I was empty at this point I was just empty I was numbing myself I could not be alone I could not listen to my thoughts I had to have music or the TV or something always going because I hated myself like why would I want to be with myself I hated her and um, one night a the channel stopped and this is back before we had all the cool remote controls for our TVs the channel stopped in televangelist and I'm watching him, and I was listening to what he was saying, and he was talking about uh, uh, David and the Psalms, and just how he was God's chosen, and you know the plan that God had for him, and blah blah blah, and all this love, and and to me it was BS. Like I was just like, that's if God is God, there, that is BS as far as I'm concerned. But I left him on because he was fascinating with with being able to bore me to go to sleep. So I was like, perfect. So the next morning I woke up and I had, um, remember, or I had this Bible that somebody had given me years prior and it was this pink Bible, woman's devotional Bible. I put it on my coffee table because it was pretty and I used it as a coaster. It was great, served its purpose. But today, that morning, I had opened it up and I was like the Psalms. I'm recalling what that pastor said. And, and so I started reading through the Psalms and I'm reading this and I'm thinking, this is so poetic. It's so pretty. And then I'm reading even more and I'm actually paying attention to the words and what's being said. And there's like anger, frustration, sadness, uh, help me, help me, help me, help me. And if you're, you know, all these things of these pleas for God, these praises and these pleas and these praises and these pleas and something started happening and I called my friend. I had that friend who'd been trying to get me to go to church forever. And I said, hey, can you tell me a little bit about David in the Psalms? She was ecstatic. I mean, you can imagine, you know, getting a call from a friend you'd been praying for to be like, can you tell me a little bit about David in the Psalms? So she proceeded to give me a little Bible study lesson on who David was and how uh, and, and the, how he was a man after God's own heart, but how sinful he was and all the things that, that preceded his, his, um, the lineage of Jesus. And so I, I was so excited to learn all that. And then she's like, do you want to go to church with me? I'm like, no, but thank you. <laughs> you know, so... I hung up the phone and I went to the window and I remember looking at those same train tracks and I, I looked past and up and I said, if you're there, I can't do this. Like I can't, I can't do this anymore by myself. So if this is true, what I've read and what my friend just told me, you need to help me because I don't, I can't continue this way. So I wouldn't say that the heavens opened up. I wouldn't say that it was a weekend of just like this, these visions or anything of that nature. But it, I do specifically remember, remember it was a sweet time with my daughter. It was a, that weekend because I couldn't get a sitter. That's why she was home. And that's why it was like all these things led. And so it was a sweet weekend with my daughter. And 
um, the next week, as a matter of fact, I was morally morally inept me you know I, I was working for a company that was even more immoral than I was and they were funneling money and I found out about it and I shared with a lady who I thought was my friend unbeknownst to me she told the boss that I was that I found out about this that day my daughter had gone to, to work with me I had permission because she was off of school and I didn't have anyone to take her she's 10 years old at the time and um, I took her to work with me and they called me into the office and into the boss's office and he goes, I heard that you found this account, blah, blah, blah. You shouldn't be looking at all this. I said, it's on the server and I do the budgets. Like, you know, of course I'm going to see this. And he got red faced and he, he sat in front of me. He goes, do you want to work here anymore? Now, mind you, I have $10 to my name. I'm literally working, living paycheck to paycheck. Um, and I don't know what came over me. Well, I know what came over me, but I looked at him and I said, actually, Rod, I don't, I don't want to work here anymore. And then his whole demeanor softened and he said, okay, so it's a mutual resignation. I mean, I should have known, like, I should have let him fire me so I could collect unemployment, <laughs> but, um, he, he, I resigned and I walked into my office and I'm packing my stuff and my daughter's looking at me. She goes, what are you doing? And I said, I quit. And she goes, mom, we don't have any money. Like she knew too much for a 10 year old little girl. She knew too much that was going on. And I said, honey, we're gonna be fine. And I just trusted that we were and I didn't know how, but I knew. So I went to the library, used the, started to send my resume out to new home builders and within two weeks i was hired at a new home building or a, a, a new a home builder in one of their communities and i was able to start making more money than i ever had before um and essentially there's so many cool god things in there but essentially um they said to me okay you're going to be working with when you were putting you in this community and they already got a they meaning my managers and our trainers got a taste of who Christina was I was this crazy like let's party you know type person and um, they're like you're gonna be working with one of the vice president's sons so behave yourself and I thought to myself well this guy puts his pants on one leg at a time like I do so you know I don't even care and um, so I met him and he was so nice to me, but he was very quiet. He didn't pay attention to me, which at the time I was so arrogant and full of myself because of the insecurities. I was like, why isn't this guy paying attention to me? And that intrigued me even more. Like why? And then I was like, oh, he's super religious because he was always talking about going to church and doing stuff for the community and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Well, ultimately um, I broke him and we ended up going out on our first date and um and a few dates after that why well, that first date was like the best first date i'd ever had and at this point i'd had many first dates and um i told my girlfriend driving home i'm like i'm gonna marry him she's like you just got divorced what are you talking about <laughs> she's like you swore off men i was like no you don't understand there's something different and what was different about him is he knew and loved Jesus. And I had no idea at the time. 
So um, three dates in, he asked me, he goes, would you go to church with me? And I thought to myself, uh-oh, here we go. He's going to take me to church. And he said it was a Baptist church, and I thought for sure there was going to be snakes and all sorts of stuff going on. But there wasn't. It was a Monday, Thursday service before Easter, and it was an intimate, beautiful setting where the pastors talked about the true meaning of, of the significance of the day that he went to the cross and that the night that Jesus had the meal with the disciples and washed their feet, even Judas would betray him, and how he, Jesus was there for me too and that was the first time i heard the gospel and that was the first time that i started to the shame of what my life had been up to that point started to lift and that was the point of my life where i thought to myself so what i did what i did i'm going to be able to stand before god and be okay because this man this perfect man is going to the cross like, it, it was blowing my mind. I could not understand it. But my um, future in-laws thought they had broken me because I was sitting in the, the chair just sobbing. And that was it. That night, that was it. I surrendered. And um, I wanted to know all I could about Jesus and all I could about why God sent him. And how he loved how god loves us so much that he sent his son because I, I couldn't wrap my brain around that that sacrificial love i couldn't and so god isn't this this um judgmental punishing admonishing god no he's just he is just but if he was completely if we got what we deserve, we would get what was on that cross, you know. So then proceeded, we ended up getting, so our our first date was February 25th of 2005. We got married February 25th, 2006. And it was like, it was, a, I mean, just God just ordained like that whole thing. But you know, people have said to me in the past, like, oh, you're so lucky you found Dave and blah, blah, blah. You know, Dave Dave brought you to Jesus. Yes, that's true. But I don't ever want to dim diminish the significance of how the Lord pursued me. And he used Dave. You know, he used Dave. He used his family. And he pursued me. And the way that I look at that baby that um i chose to terminate because there's 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 shame and there's guilt that comes along with all of that but the way that i choose to look at that baby it was that i'm going to be um united with again is that because that baby's life meant something i came to know jesus and we will be unified again we will be reunited again and and that baby's life has helped so many others because my ministry has been working with um, moms who find themselves or women who find themselves in unplanned pregnancies, um, working as an executive director for a mater maternity home for girls who are kicked out of their houses, um, 
running post-abortive Bible studies, um, you know, you name it, like the Lord's used it. And, and you know, there is, there's such a stigma and a shame for, for women in their past sin. And it's like, we need to bring that to the light because guess what? We're all walking around with something. So, so today, you know, we, I will tell my story to whoever wants to hear it because, you know, my story may not look like yours, but we all have it. We all have one. And we all have a way that somebody can say to you, they could say, Shelby, oh, I, I'm like that too. And I didn't know that, or gosh, you got through that too, you know, and, and that's what I want people to know that they don't have to walk around with sin and shame because Jesus took that to the cross. So yeah, that's kind of my story. Holy smoke. So now that you have me like totally in tears over here. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's wonderful. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it so much. I love, I love hearing you be so open about all the different stages because actually the um, podcast I recorded yesterday um, was all the different stages of grief that a lot of my women who listen go through and after they grow up in different ways and then there's the doubt and then there's seeking and then there's the anger and the frustration and then they're lost and they're seeking again and you hope upon hopes that you'll get to this place that you'll realize that God was pursuing you that whole time and understanding that moment of surrender. And that's not something I had ever understood before when people would say surrender. And, and I, what does that mean? You know, what does that really mean? And, and really it's that moment that you say, I can't do this alone. Like I can't do this and, and I need your help. And I know that the forgiveness forgiveness that you are giving me is worth everything. And you just lay it all down at the yeah. foot of the cross that it's, and, and then miracles happen. And I, and then that's when you do see, like he really was there the whole time because those miracles start to happen within your life. And, and, and just like what you're saying about being able to give that back and to help other people through your story. And you realize that was his purpose that mm-hmm. whole time was to be able to help other people to know God and to make God known. And it, the whole story is beautiful and it actually works, even though we have such, um, such a hard time as we're going through it. Those hard times are what brings us to him Mm -hmm. and it's just beautiful and it's amazing. It's amazing. Exactly. And, and I think sometimes we don't even see the fruit of our labor, right? Like we don't, God's been very gracious and, and merciful to show me like because sometimes some ministry is exhausting you know it is because we're so broken and we have a tendency to want results like you hold these kpis like okay if i do this then this person's gonna follow and do this and that's not how it works and i i think back to my friend who had always been pursuing me to go to church and to to you know, she every week she's like hey do you want to go to church or we have this event and i would just gently tell her no and she never stopped asking like anytime something came up she would always ask so she was a safe person to to call because i knew she she wouldn't push me but she would be excited and, and she was so safe 
I didn't obviously end up going to her church, but she was at my wedding. Like she was at my wedding with Dave because she was, she was so excited about the fact that the Lord, the Lord pursued and, and, you know, I, I, I found him and, and ultimately, you know, her desire, my friend's desire was to see me come to, to know Jesus. And it didn't matter in one way, shape, what way. And that's how we have to look at it, right? Like we could plant the seeds, plant the seeds, plant the seeds. And, and, you know, if I think back and if she wasn't in my life pursuing me and being that safe person, perhaps I wouldn't, I wouldn't have pursued it. It would have just been nothing but me listening to a pastor, you know, or, or a televangelist the night before and being done with it. But like the how God just just ordains and designs these steps of 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 how He has us in 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 mind. Like there's so many significant things happening in our world today. Yeah, you know, just crazy division and we're we can't be surprised right because um there's nothing new under the sun this has been going on since the beginning of time in the biblical unfortunately we just see more of it because of social media and the access that we have today but um there is this urgency to continue to spread the seeds so that more people come to know him and even if we don't see the fruit of that, you know, if if it just I always say, like, our my podcast may not be a high ranking downloaded or whatever podcast. That's not my goal. My goal is that one person hears it and one person wants to know more. That's my goal. That Absolutely. is fire. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and to serve him in that way. Like, I love your tagline. Um, and with your make him known, like, I love that, you know, that because ultimately it's not about us, it's about him. And um, that is one thing that I had to, that had to die for me was um, the the pride, right? Like, okay, well, I'm going to bring people to know Jesus. I'm going to bring more people to know Jesus. And it wasn't this true uh desire to see people come it was like a numbers thing like how many more people could i reach or how many more you know what can i do like and it was i i i i and god's like girl you need to stop this this isn't about <laughs> this isn't about you you just share your story and whoever's gonna whoever needs to listen will listen whoever i have assigned to do that so yeah so it, it there's a lot a lot of work to be done for the kingdom a lot of things need to to happen and transpire. And we're in a good position to do that, I think, with technology. And your story is amazing. So thank you so yeah. much. Thank if you. there was one thing that you could tell that girl who is struggling right now to find faith, mm -hmm. to help her to get there, wherever she's at, what would you say? I would say there is somebody that God put into your life, um, whether that's somebody that you don't even know online that that knows Jesus um, or like we've taught or I've talked about my friend um, just reach out just because you never know uh, reach out to a friend a trusted friend and um, I would say 
you know, we, we have this, this tendency to think, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray because, you know, I, I don't know how to pray. And I would just say, like, throw up a prayer to God. And it has to, it looks nothing like you would think it needs to look. It just, I always tell people, pray like you're talking to an eight-year-old because they don't, you know. So as I spoke in my prayer, like, God, if you're there, I need help. And you said the same thing, like, you know, surrender that and just see what happens. Take a chance. I would say just take a chance because what what could hurt? You know, reach out. And if, if somebody is listening to this that uh, wants to know more, obviously, Shelby, you're an amazing resource, you know, or, or reach out to me too. Like, we would be more than happy to sit down and talk about who Jesus is and um, how he could help you. Like, you know, that's ultimately what it boils down to is just take a chance, reach out to a friend, someone you know, someone you don't know, just reach out. So that's I love what that. I, mm-hmm. I love that. And speaking of reaching out, if someone did want to reach out to you and find you, where can they find you at? Um, Instagram is probably the, the best way. It's the chat worthy, chat worthy podcast. Say that five times really fast. The chat worthy podcast is my IG handle. And I love to hear from people. Um, just don't spam me because I don't like that. <laughs> that is one thing I do not like, but, um, yeah. Or on Facebook, same thing, the chat worthy podcast, um, yeah, so my husband and I do a lot of things together on our Facebook page. So, and your podcast is an awesome one to listen to. So I would totally recommend that for Thank anybody you. who's wanting to, you know, hear those wonderful stories, that's a great, great place to go. So, well, thank you so much for being here today and for putting me in tears and for <laughs> being so open and vulnerable in a way that I know this is going to help women out there. I know it will. And that's what this is all about. So thank you so much. And I really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy that you decided to join us today, and I really hope that this story was able to move you and push you in a different direction towards finding Jesus. Finding Faith Above was created out of my experiences with God's direction to help find truth, identity, and faith after leaving religion. Check out the show notes and find so much more over at findingfaithabove.com. That's where all the best conversations happen and where you can find good inspiration and things to help you move forward with your journey.